Hey, I'm excited to share with you here today. My name is Matt, and I'm the young adult pastor here, if I haven't had the chance to meet you yet today. Um, like I said, I'm excited to be sharing with you today. <clears throat> Does anybody know what this is? I don't know if you can, how well you can see it. Can anyone tell what this is? If you know what it is, say, you know, shout it out there. Just go ahead. What? GPS. That's right. This is a GPS. Do you know what it stands for, GPS? Anybody? Feel all right, global positioning system, that's right. I think it's a little less common. GPS, yeah, so this is, uh, I don't know if you still use these anymore because now if you have a smartphone and a charger in your car, you're pretty much good to go. I guess it depends if, how much data you have, right? But I got this GPS my freshman year of college. What happened was I was borrowing my dad's, uh, and then my dad's like, Matt, you got to give it back. So I'm like, okay, and I got this for Christmas. But in that window of time between borrowing my dad's and getting this one for Christmas, I didn't have a GPS, and there was something called, uh, there was another way that you could find directions. It was called MapQuest. Okay, it's actually still around. Some of you guys, maybe you use it. But before you had GPS, you could uh, type your directions in or type your destination into MapQuest. It would print out the directions. And it was great. It told you how to get there. The only problem would be is if you missed a turn. If you missed a turn, then you're out of luck. And that's exactly what happened to me. My uh, two-and-a-half-hour drive from Pennsylvania back to New Jersey became like a five- or six-hour drive. I missed the exit. I didn't know where I was in Pennsylvania. I went like under a mountain. I was like, what the heck? So I pull off. I go to a gas station. I'm like, hey, I'm trying to get to New Jersey. And this guy's like, I don't know. I, I can't help you. I'm like, oh my gosh. Then I go to a store. I'm like, I'm in some store somewhere. I'm like, hey, this is where I'm coming from. I'm coming from Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. They're like, wow, that's really far away from here. Like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm just trying to get to New Jersey. I was, it was like freaking out. And I didn't have a smartphone at that time. I had the NV3 and I had like $12 in my checking account. You know, I'm college freshman, what do I know? And so I, uh, I was in trouble, man. I was freaking out. I was, I was almost panicking. I had a friend in the car with me. It's probably the only reason I didn't break down. And so obviously we made it back because I'm here in one piece. You know, we made it back okay. But I bring it up because uh, it has something to do with what we're talking about today. Here's what I know is true, that no matter who you are, where we're going matters. And uh, if you're taking notes today, this would be kind of the first thing to write down. I, I like taking notes during the sermon. You don't have to do that, but I, that's kind of what we'll have on the screen today as we go through. But where we're going matters. All of us are going to end up somewhere. We're all going to end up somewhere, but we can end up somewhere on purpose. Where we're going matters. Here's, a, here's the deal. We're all on this journey called life, and everyone's going somewhere. But just like my GPS story we're traveling in a certain direction, but maybe it may not be the direction we're supposed to be going. Or even maybe it is the right direction. Here's the, th here's the deal. You may be going the right direction, but just the general direction isn't enough. I mean, if you're off by one degree, just one degree, over the course of an entire journey, that can completely change your trajectory if you're off by one degree. Now, here, let, let's think about it. Let's think about it. Uh, I believe this is north, and I think this is south, but we're just going to go with that today. So let's say this is north, and this is south. Which way is Canada? Canada, if this is north, help me out. This way, right? This way. We point this way. This is Canada. All right, so which way is Florida? South. This way. Okay, yeah, that's where Florida is. Awesome. Okay, so that's easy. So if I want to go to Canada, I'm going to go north. If I want to go to Florida, I'm going to go south. If I want to go to Florida, I'm not going to go this way. So I go the right direction. But if I say, hey, how do I get to Miami? You wouldn't say, well, oh, yeah, you go south. Just go south and you go there. That's the general direction. You'd be like, okay, well, you got to take this road. You're on this road for this many hours. And like, say, but I would say, man, I, I thought if you just go south, I'm going to hit it. I thought if I'm going in the right direction, I'll hit Miami. I'll hit Florida. And like, well, 
Maybe, it kind of depends. You can end up in a lot of different places. So just going in one direction isn't just enough. And I think a lot of times, even in our walk with God, I think that we can feel that way. It's like, hey, you know what? I think I'm going in the right direction. You know, I've come to church a couple times a month, and, you know, I prayed a few times, and, man, I think I'm going in the right direction. And, and that's true. We can be going in the right direction, but I think there's a little more to it than that. We all will end up somewhere, but we can end up somewhere on purpose where we're going matters. But here's what else I know is true, is that every journey has a flight plan. I mean, I'm kind of going with this, like, trajectory, space theme sort of thing, if you look at the slide. But every journey has a flight plan, or every journey has a plan. In order to get to a desired destination, we need a flight plan. Look, we know it's true, right? You think about, like, an airplane, right, with... Uh, with like a pilot taking off. He's got a co-pilot. They don't just go in the air. I, I, was, uh, I was in Ohio last weekend in a wedding, and it was a lot of fun. So the pilot, he doesn't take off and go, you know, I think Ohio's west. So we're going to go west and hope for the best, right? He's got a flight plan. He knows exactly where he's going, what time he has to get there, how much fuel is left, right? And uh, even you think of a space shuttle like astronauts, they know everything in, in the space shuttle. They know every single control. They're, they're in contact with radio control. There's a flight plan, even like in sports, like football, or it's, uh, it's playoffs for baseball right now, they, they know every single play. There's this uh, really famous play by Derek Jeter. It's probably like 15 years ago now. It's called The Catch. If you're a baseball fan, you would know about it, but uh, it's, just, it's, just in, it's this incredible catch. And you, when you watch it, Derek Jeter, he was the shortstop. He comes out of nowhere and makes this catch and like throws it and there's a lot about it that makes it amazing, like the momentum. It shouldn't even work that way. But when you watch the clip, you're like, what was Derek Jeter doing there? Like, it, that's not your position. You're not supposed to be there. Well, it turns out he was. They actually have all these plays memorized. So if the ball goes in this direction and there's these many people and he's going to home plate, the shortstop is supposed to be right here. But you as the viewer, you're like, well, this is crazy. I didn't know. But the point is that it's memorized. It, there's, a, there's a plan. There's a play that's completely memorized. It's like in his bones that when it happens, he knows how to react. And so when, even when it comes to our life, man, where we're going matters. And every journey has a flight plan. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, Matt? I don't know if there's really a plan in my life. You know what? I don't really think I'm living according to anybody's plan. Yeah, I know you're saying that right now. I don't think that's the case. But the truth is we're all living according to somebody's plan. Even it's whatever you're prioritizing, even if it's just your own pleasure or your own desires, that's the driver of your life. And that's the plan that you're following. We're all following a plan. We all end up somewhere, but we can end up somewhere on purpose. And the truth is, that we need God's spirit. Or as the disciples uh, refer to him in the book of Acts, we need the spirit of Jesus empowering us. You know, our internal compass is not enough. I mean, you think about my GPS story, right? I printed out directions. I knew where I was supposed to go, but man, I made a wrong turn, and then that, <laughs> that wrong turn led to more wrong turns and more wrong turns. Man, my own internal sense of direction isn't enough to get me there. And it's true even in our own life when it comes to morality. Man, our, my own sense of direction of what I think is right and wrong, that's not enough to guide me. Or in my decision making, right? If we're left to just our own devices, we will stay stuck in our sin. Just relying on how we feel or what I think is the right way to go, that's not enough to keep us on the right trajectory. Whether it's how I feel about a relationship. You know what? I just feel like this is what I should do. I, I feel like this isn't really a big deal. 
or if it's how I feel about, like we said, uh, morality or ethics, or it's how I feel about spirituality. You know, I think, I think I'm good. I think I'm close to God. I think I'm great. Man, it's not, I'm not the ultimate authority. You're not the ultimate authority. It's not just up to our uh, interpretation or whatever, right? It doesn't work with physical driving. If I want to go to Florida, I can't go north. It does, it, oh, I feel like Florida's north. Like, no, Florida's south. It doesn't matter. And it's the same thing in our spiritual trajectory as well. Jeremiah 17, 9, it says this, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? It's not a good guide for our lives. Jesus, he says this in, in Luke eleven thirty five. 35, he says, Make sure that the light that you think you have is not actually darkness. That hit me hard one time when I was reading, like, man, I could be following God, and I'm, I'm doing great, and I'm like, man, God, your light's inside of me. And Jesus says, you better watch out. Make sure that that's not actually darkness. Wait, I, but I thought I'm going the right direction, Jesus, and man, our trajectory matters. And so here's what's great. Jesus has set the mission for us. Jesus has set the trajectory for us. He's given us the directions to go, and that's what's so wonderful. We know what it is. And if you've been in church for any time, you've probably heard this before. It's Matthew 28, 19, really famous verse. Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's our trajectory. That's our goal. That's where we're trying to go. That's the mission and the vision that Jesus has set for us as followers of Jesus. But if we're not living according to God's mission, man, we can be living without a purpose. It's like driving without directions. It's like going in the right general direction, but man, Jesus has, uh, has placed a mission for us, and so we want to be following him, and that's what we want to talk about today. So the question is, how do we get there? If, we're, if where we're going matters, I mean, every journey has a flight plan, how do we get there? Well, in the book of Acts, there's a story of someone that I think perfectly illustrates this. It's a really cool story, and um, so you can open up. It's in Acts chapter 8 if you've got your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in one of the chairs in front of you. You can take that and open that up today. And man, I believe this is for everybody in the room today. Even if you're here and you're not really sure what you think about God, you're not sure what you think about the Bible today, hey, that's all right. I think this can still impact you. In fact, I think that God is inviting you to be part of a story like the story that we're reading today. And so I hope that you continue to pay attention and listen up if that's you. We said it's Acts chapter 8. What happens is, so we understand what, what's taking place in the story. Jesus died on the cross, but he rose again from the grave and he gave his disciples the mission. Hey, go and make disciples. And he says, hey, I'm with you to the end of the age. I'll be with you. And so the disciples, they receive the empowering the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, 3,000 people are saved. The church is born. It's amazing. And they start spreading the good news about Jesus, that, hey, no matter who you are, uh, you can be saved. This is a revolutionary idea. It doesn't matter who you are, what your past is, what family you're from, how big your sin is. Jesus loves you, and he saved you from your sin. And so Jesus, in the beginning of the book of Acts, uh, Acts 1, verse 8, he says, you'll be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And actually, the book of Acts is kind of broken up into those three sections. You can almost understand it that way. And so the story we're going to read, he says, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. We're in Samaria, kind of like the next expanding region. That's kind of the story that we'll be reading in Acts chapter 8. And the main character in our story, his name is Philip. He's first mentioned in Acts. He's serving the original 12 apostles, and he's known as Philip the Evangelist. And he, most likely, there's a good chance that he knew Jesus personally. He had met him face to face. 
and then this story takes place. So it's Acts 8, uh, verse 26 is where we'll start if you're in your Bibles. If not, it will also be on the screen for you. So here's what it says, verse 26. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandike, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and now he was returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over there and walk along beside the carriage. So how do we get there? Where we're going matters. Every journey has a flight plan. How do we get there? Here's the next fill-in for you. Is we want to stay connected to mission control. We want to stay connected to mission control. The truth is, it's impossible for us to stay on trajectory without mission control, without the Holy Spirit <laughs> to kind of get rid of the code. It's impossible for us to stay on trajectory without the Holy Spirit. Philip is listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit in this story. And here's what I think is really interesting. You know, Philip, he most likely knew Jesus personally. The disciples in, in the book of Acts, they all knew Jesus face to face. Like he hung out with them and he taught them and they could like hug him. And then now he ascends into heaven. He's gone. And they're trying to figure out, man, what's it like to like hear the voice of Jesus now? What's it like to hear from the Spirit of God? Like they're trying to figure that out. Somebody, they, they knew him personally and physically, and now they're trying to figure that out. Us, we're kind of on the other side. We're trying to hear from God's voice too, but I think it's kind of an interesting concept. But if you read the verse before, verse 25, the Holy Spirit's moving in Samaria, like we said, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. Uh, the Holy Spirit's moving in Samaria, and Philip is there with John and Peter, and it's awesome, and they're like, hey, let's go back to Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit speaks to Philip. He doesn't speak to John and Peter, so Philip had to know, hey, guys, uh, I think God just spoke to me. He had to be pretty confident about that. I'm sure those other guys helped him say, hey, man, I, I think you're right, if that's how you feel, but uh, it's interesting to me that the Holy Spirit doesn't tell him what to say. He doesn't give him any sort of knowledge. He just says, like, go this way. Like, take this road. That's where I need you to go. And it matters, man. We have to stay connected to mission control. Again, think, I, I, like I said, I was in Ohio last week, so I had, like, two layovers, like, a layover there and a layover back. So I was on, like, four airplanes last week, so it's just, like, really fresh in my head. But, like, when you're in an airplane, right, you've got air traffic control, and, and pilots rely on that. Like, they, air traffic control knows what's happening. They know the schedule of all the airplanes coming in. They have, they're in contact with all the other pilots. They've got a better visual on the situation, right? You need air traffic control if you're going to land an airplane. And it's the same thing. We need to be connected to mission control. They're not just wandering around hoping for the best. Hey, I think this is Toledo. I think we can land now. <laughs> like, you know, they're in contact with other people. It's impossible for us to stay on trajectory without the Holy Spirit. And for us today, it's important. It's not just anybody for our mission control. It's not just anybody. It's the Holy Spirit that we need. Remember, our own internal compass is not enough. The Holy Spirit, he points out our sin, and he renews us, and he makes us more like Jesus. And maybe you're here today, and you've tried your best to live according to your own strength. And maybe that's why you continually find yourself disappointed that you have functioned as your own mission control. Or maybe you've allowed somebody else to be your mission control, that their approval or what they think is, is what's driving your life and telling you what direction to take. But it's the Holy Spirit that needs to be your mission control. We don't have the strength to stay on trajectory by ourselves. Galatians 5.16, it says this, If you walk by the Spirit, 
you won't carry out the desires of the flesh. If you walk by the Spirit, you'll stay on the right trajectory. Wow. We don't have to be just wandering around hoping for the best. We have the Holy Spirit who can help us. So that's my question for you today. Are you connected to mission control? Are you connected to mission control? Or are you living as your own mission control? Have you been avoiding mission control? Has mission control been trying to get a hold of you? Do you have to answer the radio? Are you connected to mission control? But that's not all that we see from the story. What else if we're saying, man, we want to stay on the right trajectory. How do we do that? We have to listen to mission control totally. And here's the next one is we need to do life together. We need to do life together. Let's continue the story in verse 30. Here's what else happens. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Philip asks him, hey, do you understand what you're reading? What we see in this passage is they do life together. The Ethiopian says, hey, why don't you come up and explain it to me? It's almost like, man, maybe you're talking to a pastor about something. Pastor Jeff gives you a call. And he says, hey, like, you know, what are you doing? You're telling him what's going on. Hey, and, and if it's like, I don't know if you've ever had this before, a pastor, especially like a youth pastor in your life, say, man, hey, uh, do you know, like, you know what that's setting you up for? Like, do you know what trajectory that's going to take? Like, did you think about that? I mean, if, if you say that way or, or if, if you respond that way, do you know what, like, what trajectory you're on? That's like what a pastor sometimes can do in your life. And you could say, yeah, you know what? Hey, why do you got to talk to me like that? Why are you coming at me like that? Why are you always trying to, why, why are you trying to correct me? Tell me where to go. What's, what's up with you, right? We could respond like that or we can respond like the Ethiopian that says, you know what? Yeah, come on up into my carriage. Why don't you come on up and help me out? I'm trying to get this right. I'm trying to follow Jesus the best that I can. Why don't you explain it to me? Man, and so doing life together changes the trajectory of our lives. It helps us keep us on the right trajectory, just like we see in this story. They did life together, and it changed the trajectory of this Ethiopian's life. And that's why, man, I'm really excited. I was super excited when Pastor Jeff first Talk to me about starting life groups here at the church. Man, life groups are one of the best ways to do life together and to do life with other people. That's how we can do, li uh, do life in community. We can't do life alone. We need to be in community. And life groups and being in community, man, that's how we can gain accountability. It's how we can be challenged to the next level. It's what can keep us on the right trajectory. Even if we feel like we're in the right direction, remember, if we're off by one degree, stretched out over an entire journey, man, we can end up on a totally different place. And so even when life groups start, even if that's something new or uncomfortable, know that this is one of the best ways that you can stay on mission. And even now, we don't have life groups at the moment, but there are lots of ways to still be involved in the community here at church to make sure that you stay on the right trajectory. And so that's my question for you, is are you doing life together? Are you in community with God's people through maybe serving or through a small group or th through some other way? Am I modeling this for my family? Am I allowing other people to speak into my life? Or am I kind of sitting in the back and saying, you know what, I think I'm good. I'll kind of do it on my own terms. I'll do it my way. 
I'll just kind of sit back here. What changes do I have to make to do life together? And so we see we've got to stay connected to mission control. We have to do life together. And here's the next thing we see from the story. We need to be willing to make adjustments. Be willing to make adjustments. Now, we already know from the story that Philip made an adjustment in his life, right? He's going to Jerusalem with his friends. It's kind of like, man, the Holy Spirit moved. It's like going to a great Holy Spirit church service. Like, wow, this is awesome. And now they're all going back to work in Jerusalem. And the Holy Spirit says, hey, I need you to go this way. So we already know he made an adjustment in his life. Now, just to kind of help us understand a little bit what that looks like, here's like a map. This would be like a Bible map of kind of what they think uh, he took. You see he's up there in Samaria. He takes the desert road all the way down to Gaza. So um, it's kind of hard to like see how far that was, like where that desert road is and everything. I estimated it was about 50, between 50 and 100 miles. And I'm saying that I estimate that because it was really difficult to discover this. Let me show you something. I tried plotting this in Google Maps. And because the politics of the region, it actually like wouldn't do it for you. So I had to like do as close as I could get to Gaza, and like that was kind of where it was in Samaria. And this is like the driving route, so you can see it's, see it's like a four-hour drive. And this isn't even the road that he took. Uh, this is like the satellite view. This is like if you were to walk. It says it would take 30 hours to walk. And again, I, I don't think that that's really the route that he took. He was going to Jerusalem. So you could just imagine like how far out of the way he went. Like what a major adjustment that this guy made. But it's not just Philip who made an adjustment too. Let's continue the story uh, in verse 36. He says this. As they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop. And they went down into the water. And Philip baptized him. And so Philip made an adjustment in his life. He listened to the Holy Spirit and he made a change. But the Ethiopian also made an adjustment in his life. I mean, he invited somebody he didn't really know that well into his carriage and into his life to speak and to listen. But then even there, he, he, uh, he could have said, you know what? I think that's good. I think I'm spiritual enough. I mean, I was reading from the scroll and uh, I didn't really understand what I was reading. But like, I think you get points for trying, right? Like you get points for trying. You open the Bible. God's, you know, you get an extra prayer or something. I think, I think I'm good. Or he says, hey, this is about Jesus. That's great. It's about Jesus. All right, man. See you later. No, he still made an adjustment. He wanted to get baptized. And uh, it was an adjustment from his journey, but it affected the trajectory of the rest of his life. And so for us, we have to be willing to make an adjustment. Remember, one degree matters. If we're off by one degree, even if we were going in the right direction, if we're off, we can end up in a different place. And so my question for you is, what adjustments do you need to make? What adjustments do you need to make in your life? One degree matters. What areas does God want to address in your life? Maybe at your job. Man, if I'm at my job and I'm always like cutting corners and I've always got a bad attitude, what's like my trajectory going to be? Do I have to make an adjustment there? Maybe in my marriage or in a relationship, if I'm always making sure that I'm the last one to speak, If I'm always making sure that my pride rules and I'm not humbling myself in my marriage, that can determine the trajectory of my marriage or my relationship. So what's my trajectory going to be like if I keep going this direction? Do I have to make an adjustment? Do I just have to make an adjustment? In my family, what I'm prioritizing, what I have my kids involved in, what I'm modeling for my family, and the time, what I spend doing together with them, the skills that I pass along to them, do I have to make an adjustment in my family? And here's what I would say 
hopefully this is impacting you somehow today. I, I hope and I pray that it is. But my uh, um, goal is never to guilt anybody. I think that this is part of the Christian life, man. Course correction, just kind of like, you know, kind of keeping yourself on trajectory. I think that's just what it looks like to walk as a Christian, man. And so if you're here today and you say, man, I think maybe the Holy Spirit is working a little bit on you right now. I wouldn't say to feel bad about it. I'd say, all right, hey, that's what it's like. Is like sometimes we just got to make a turnover here or make a little bit of a course correction. And so I, I, would, I would encourage you today. And so if you're asking, you say, man, all right, that's cool. So how do I stay on mission? Where we're going matters, and every journey has a flight plan. So I want to stay connected to mission control. I want to do life together. And man, I, I want to be willing to make adjustments. So how do I stay on mission? If we're not living on God's mission, we can be living without a purpose. And so how do I stay connected to mission control? We need to, uh, wait, huh? Is this following me here? Yeah, here we go. We, we need to read the flight plan. We need to read the flight plan. And I'm talking about reading God's word. Here's what I want to make really clear here. We're talking about hearing from the Holy Spirit. We're talking about allowing God to help us make course corrections and adjustments in our life. Now, I don't know your story. I don't know, uh, you know what your experience has been. I grew up in church, and I grew up around people who would be like, oh, the Holy Spirit told me. Ooh, right? Okay, and I'll like spooky about it, or like, man, oh, I, I don't know if the Holy Spirit, but they come over and they talk to you that way. That kind of stuff. <laughs> I'm not talking quite about that. I'm not saying sometimes the Holy Spirit will speak through a person, and it's awesome when that happens. But I want to talk about what I want to give you an example of what I mean. I, I think it's concrete and it's backed up by Scripture when the Holy Spirit speaks to us about making a course correction. I want to tell you a story. Uh, last year, Rebecca and I were in Paris. We had a group home. We got this killer deal. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And so it was our second day in Paris, and we're in the hotel room. Rebecca went in the shower, so I'm by myself in the room. And the day before, our TV froze. It was, like, really creepy because I couldn't unplug it. It was behind the wall. So I had to, like, throw, like, a jacket on top of it because it was, like, staring at us. It's like, really weird. So our TV froze. I'm sitting on the bed, and my phone froze for a minute. And I had about 30 seconds, and I said, oh, you know, is God trying to talk to me right now? Like, I just, it just kind of entered my head. And I could have just passed it by and been like, nah, my phone, whatever. I was like, but you know what? Maybe he is. Like, let me open my Bible really quick. I don't know if God's trying to talk to me. So I have in my head Proverbs 3.25. Proverbs 3.25. Just look it up. Look it up. Proverbs 3.25. And I'm like, you know, am I making this up? You know, I don't know if you've ever done this before. Maybe sometimes it doesn't always work. Maybe. I don't know. Proverbs 3.25. Well, if you don't know what it says, here's Proverbs 3.25 through 26. Here's what it says. You need not be afraid of sudden disaster or the destruction that comes upon the wicked. For the Lord is your security. He will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. Now, I don't know how you feel when you read that, but that freaked me out. <laughs> I'm like, I'm in Paris. I kind of feel like God's speaking to me right now. Don't be afraid of sudden disaster. I'm like, what is happening? Like, so I instantly freak out. I'm thinking worst case scenario. I'm like, Rebecca, like, we're, we're dying. Like tomorrow, we're going to die. She's going to die. I don't know what's going to happen. And spoiler alert, Rebecca did not die. She did the announcements today. She did a great job. So she's fine. We made it out fine, obviously. But I'm freaking out. And so I don't say anything to her because why would I say that? I think God spoke to me. We're going to have disaster tomorrow. Like, why would I do that? I'm like, I made it up. I made this whole thing up. But I'm on edge now. So kind of like long story short, uh, short the next day we, we take a train to Versailles and we got scammed. We lost like 40 euros and I can tell you the details later. It doesn't really matter right now. But we got scammed and uh, whatever. So that's it. We lost some money. I, I'm fine. I'm like, we didn't have to call the police. I didn't get hurt. Like I didn't lose my phone or like my credit card or something. Like I, we, lost, we lost some cash and that's it. We made it out alive. We're fine. 
But Rebecca, she was very upset. And I know right now she's like, why are you telling this story? The, the big deal is because Rebecca's never like this. Normally, I would be upset. I'd be like, I can't believe this. And she'd be like, Matt, calm down. But it was a little reverse that day. Rebecca's like, I, you know, we're, we're in Versailles. We're having a great time. She's like, but can you believe they duped us? They duped us. She wasn't even upset about the money. She was upset that we got scammed. And so we're at dinner. And she's still talking about it. And I, I'm, all day, you have to know me, I'm freaking out. I'm like, when's this disaster going to hit us? <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. Did God, did God speak to me, not for my benefit, but maybe for my wife? So I, I'm like, hey, uh, I know this is really bothering you, but I read this verse last night. I don't know. Maybe it'll help. And I, and I explained it to her. And I was like, look, you know, the Lord is our security, not money. And and he kept our foot from being caught in a trap. We were unharmed. We weren't stranded anywhere. We didn't have to call the police, nothing like that. And it says destruction will come upon the wicked. I don't need to worry about taking revenge or thinking that way. God's aware of how they cheated us. I don't need to worry about that. The Lord is my security. And when I shared that with Rebecca, her demeanor completely changed, completely changed. And I knew it meant a lot to her because in the hotel room, she was like, what was that verse again? I'm like, oh, you know, and I had it memorized by then. And so, man, I believe that's what it's like when the Holy Spirit speaks to us. It's a, it, that to me was a concrete, tangible experience that when the Holy Spirit spoke to me, but it wasn't creepy or ambiguous. It was for a clear purpose. It was to comfort and, and pastor my wife through an experience that we shared together. And I thought it kind of paralleled the story in, in, that we read in Acts 8. The Holy Spirit didn't tell me what to say. He didn't give me any extra knowledge. He pointed me to God's word. And that's exactly what we see in Acts chapter 8. He didn't tell Philip what to say or what to do. He pointed him right to God's word. And when he got there, the Ethiopian, he was reading that passage of scripture. It was about Jesus. It's centered around God's word. There's nothing spooky about staying connected to mission control. Philip knew the Bible and he was ready to talk about it. Right? You know the verse uh, in Psalm 119, 105, David writes, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Man, we can't expect God to just like download information to our brains, you know, whatever. It's, he's going to draw on what we know. And so we want to be reading the flight plan. And so if you're here today, maybe if you haven't read the Bible in a long time or maybe you've never read the Bible, I'd encourage you, man, you could download the Bible app on your phone. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one today before you get out of here. We want you to go home with a Bible and start. And a lot of people say the book of John. Man, uh, start in the book of John. Start reading it. And if you're here and you have read your Bible before, keep going. It's not a one and done sort of thing. You need to saturate yourself in the flight plan so you know what direction to take. The Bible, it's like a multifaceted jewel. Like the more you look at it, the more you study it, the more it speaks to you. The more there's something you didn't see before, the more it speaks to your heart. And so make sure that you're reading the flight plan. So how do we stay on mission? Read the flight plan. And here's the next thing. We need to pray. We need to pray. I, it's not, uh, I, didn't, I didn't have a creative one for this one. It's not mind-boggling, but this is huge. This is how we stay connected. Praying is how we establish the lines of communication to God. Man, it's not supposed to be a chore. It's how we refocus, and it's how we stay on mission. If, uh, if you don't know me, I just started a new job recently, about two months ago. I uh, started working here. <laughs> so what I do is every morning when I come into the office, <clears throat> I go to Pastor Jeff's office, like usually first thing I do. And uh, I just want to compare notes. I want to make sure that we're on the same page. I'm doing whatever he needs me to do. <clears throat> now, if I never did that, never went to his office, and Pastor Jeff never came to my office, probably two, three months in, he'd come by and be like, Matt, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> what are, you, are you working? Are you doing anything? And if I were to say, hey, yeah, yeah Pastor Jeff, I'm listening to all the rules. I mean, I don't curse, right? I don't swear when I'm at the church, and I, I don't drink anything at the church, and, and I, I'm following all the rules, Pastor Jeff. Aren't you happy with me? 
He'd be like, Matt, no, that, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. It's about the mission. It's not just about living according to God's ways. It's living according to God's mission. If you're here and you follow Jesus, we want to be following him, but, we see, but that's what we see from the story. It's not just following his ways. It's following the mission. Philip, he heard the Holy Spirit speak to him, and he could, have, he could have kept going back to Jerusalem. He would have been following God's ways. He wasn't doing anything wrong. He was living according to God's ways, but the Holy Spirit was calling him to live according to God's mission. We want to be living according to the mission. So for me, the question is, hey, am I doing the job I'm supposed to do? Am I fulfilling the mission of the church? Am I serving Pastor Jeff? Like, that's what I need to do. And and so the way I make sure I'm doing that, the way I make sure I'm on target, is I talk to Pastor Jeff every day, and not just once in the morning, like it's all throughout the day. A lot of times, probably three times a day, he'll come to my office, he'll come over there. I go to his office. Sometimes we have an official meeting. Sometimes it's an unofficial meeting. One time we went shopping. Like we just, you know, I'm in communication with Pastor Jeff, and that's how I know I'm staying on target. I'm staying on the right trajectory. So prayer is how we are led by the Holy Spirit, just like Philip was. And, and here's the last thing I just want to say about prayer. If you're here today and you say, man, I would love to stay on mission. Yeah, that's awesome. I would love that. But man, uh, when, once I know the mission God has for me, then, you know, then I'll get it together. Man, then I'll be praying. Then I'll be in God's word. I'm just, really, I, I'm just really waiting for God to kind of work that out for me. Well, I'm telling you, man, God has already given us the mission. It's to go and make disciples, Matthew 28, 19. If you're here and you're like, man, I don't know what my life's call is. I don't know what my career path is, especially if you're a young adult or teenager. Man, don't get caught up with that and say, I don't know what God's plan is for me. Man, praying is how you stay on the right trajectory. <clears throat> you say, God, what is your will for me today? God, I know what the mission is. So what do you want me to do today? So how do we stay on mission? We read the flight plan, we pray, and here's the next one. Reach your one. You just need to reach your one. Maybe what we're talking about today, <clears throat> think about other people, think about the mission. It seems a little bit intimidating. Or like, well, yeah, we're reading about Philip and like the Holy Spirit spoke to him and like, well, that's like, oh, okay, that's not me, man. I don't know if I can do that. He impacted this whole region. <clears throat> but if you bring it back down to earth, Philip just, he reached just one person, one person. It was on a desert road. It was like nowhere. It's like the break room at work. It's really not that exciting. But man, he reached one person. And so for you to reach your one, it may look different because we're all different people. Maybe reaching your one, a person in your circle of influence, it may just mean inviting them to church. Hey, why don't you come out on a Sunday? Why don't you come? Hey, I come to the Wednesday night Bible study. Why don't you come sometime? Maybe it would be through sharing your story or your testimony, talking about, hey, what God has done in your life. Maybe it wouldn't be an immediate conversation. You would just start to pray for them. You know, my brother, he, at his job, he plays Xbox with all the guys in his department after work, like almost every day. And I'm like, that's awesome. Like, that's a way for you to reach those people. That may be how you reach your one. Just look around you and use the strengths of your personality. God has you where you are right now to reach somebody. God has you where you are right now, not just for your benefit, but because he has a mission and a purpose for you. And so, man, live that way. What if everybody here focused on reaching your one person? What if, like, just say, between now and Christmas, everybody in the room brought one person to church between now and Christmas? Wow, our church would actually just double in size. What if when life groups started, everyone brought one person out to one life group meeting? That'd be crazy. That would be amazing. What if everybody here began praying for just one person? 
our communities, tons of different communities that are represented here would be impacted by the power of God's Spirit. We'd begin to influence people in a totally new way all around us. So we want to reach our one. So where we're going matters. Where we're going matters. Remember, we could be off by one degree. The general direction isn't enough. Every journey has a flight plan, and it's not our own internal direction. It's not just how we feel We need to be relying on the Holy Spirit. So how do we get there? We stay connected to mission control. We do life together, and we we need to be willing to make adjustments. And so how do I stay on mission? We need to read the flight plan. We need to read God's word. That's what's going to keep us on mission. We need to pray, stay connected to the Holy Spirit, and we need to reach our one. And Pastor Bonnie, you can uh, come on up front as we get ready. So today's communion Sunday here at church. I think it's a great way just to end what we're talking about today. So our ushers, you guys can come on up front. Um, we're talking about living...